So you guys feeling good? Awesome. Well, hey, my name is Mike. Welcome to Genesis. Uh, I'm the pastor here. And, uh, and at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart because you have been prayed and prepared for. So before we get going tonight, I have a couple of housekeep, housekeeping items to hit. First of all, on Thursday, I'm getting my wisdom teeth taken out. Um, yeah, so I, uh, there's a dentist that uh, goes to church here, and I was talking to him, and he said, he said, yeah, you may want to go ahead and, you know, have this done because you're on the older end of that surgery. And I said, you know, I've never really been on the older end of anything. And so, like, my, my years and my life is just fading away. Uh, that's basically what I heard from that. And so because of that, next Tuesday, the man himself, Austin Kelly, will be, will be bringing the word. He will be preaching to conclude this series, so get excited about that. Um, and so just because uh, I probably won't be doing any talking up here uh, next week, I would, man, I really would hope I can just like bounce back after like a weekend, uh, but the odds are not good, so we'll see. Uh, but because I probably won't be doing much talking up here next week, I wanted to go ahead and let you know about what's coming up in March. And Austin will remind you of all this next week, and so uh, just in case you forget. But as you probably remember, Genesis has began a new mission partnership with an organization called Mission Hope, where we are sponsoring two villages in Nicaragua. Well, next month, we are going to be doing a fundraiser for those villages. Okay, so this is how this is going to work. So throughout the month of March, Genesis, on our end, we're going to be cutting costs on some things uh, so that we can make a significant donation to Mission Hope. And so instead of pizza and Chick-fil-A during March, we're going to have uh, a week where we'll have ramen, a week where we'll have uh, cereal, and then we'll have a PB&J night and, and so forth for the month of March. And so and also all merch sales will go to, uh, to Mission Hope as well. And so the challenge in that for you is to do the same. Uh, to maybe cut some costs in your life to maybe save some Starbucks money uh, or save some money that you would spend at a restaurant and, uh, and give it to Mission Hope, bring it here on a Tuesday. We'll you know, obviously have a spot in the back. We'll also probably have a change jar as well uh, for any loose change that you want to give. Um, and at the end of the month, we're going to total it all up, and uh, we'll get a big fake check, and uh, we'll send it their way. Sound good? Um, I will say uh, we've done these before. We've done a couple before, one for Water Mission and one for College Park Middle School, and They've been very successful in the past, and I'm believing uh, and expecting for this one to be incredible as well. And I can tell you that it's, uh, the, the way that these go the best is that it's not the, the few big donations. Uh, while those are great, really the total comes from a lot of small, a lot, a lot of small donations. It's the, it's the $10 from everyone versus five of you giving 50. Does that make sense? And so if you can spare 10 bucks next month, we can give a, a probably close to $1,000 next month to Mission Hope, which I think is amazing, right? Awesome. So last thing, in, uh, in next month's series, we're going to be walking through Romans chapter 8. And so it's always a good time to invite your friends to church that don't know Jesus, but next month will be even better. The, the truths in Romans 8 are enough to change somebody's life for eternity. And so I would challenge you to do that. So tonight, we're going to continue our February series, I Love You to Death. Uh, I wanted to talk about love this month and how we see it displayed 
in the Bible and, uh, and not just come up here and give you relationship advice. Hopefully, hopefully you listened to Genesis Continued this past week, and uh, that was really great. I heard a lot of great feedback from you guys uh, on that. And so we wanted to talk about on Tuesday what love looked like in the Bible. And, and when we see it discussed in the Bible, it's usually correlated with death. You see verses like, uh, you know, Jesus telling us to pick up our cross. We see him telling us to lay down our lives for others. And then we see the ultimate example of laying your life down and loving someone to death in Jesus. And what it ultimately comes down to is this contrast between a, a lifestyle of love versus a feeling of love. That this, the, the feeling of love is fun and, and, and uh, exciting, but it's temporary. Where a lifestyle of love is, is one that is dedicated and committed. Where a feeling of love may have inspired you to make a commitment to Christ, a lifestyle of love is what helps keep that commitment. And so uh, the, over the last two weeks, we talked about dying to our flesh. And, and in week one, we talked about dying to our, the actions and behaviors of the flesh. And last week, we talked about dying to the desires and dreams of our flesh, and those concentrated on you and your relationship with God. And so tonight, I wanted to talk about what that looks like, what this kind of love looks like for you and your relationship with others. And so in week one, I mentioned this certain Super Bowl ad for Google where it was talking about the three most translated phrases uh, every year in Google Translate are, thank you, how are you, and I love you. And you know, we do say those three words, I love you, a lot. We say them in very different ways, right? There is the, the phone call ending, I love you, uh, maybe most commonly found in phone calls with mom, right? Okay, uh, I love you, bye, right? I love you, okay, I love you, bye. Uh, there is the, I just stepped on my dog's paw, I love you. Uh, that is one that you feel like will never be enough to make up for what you've done. There is the wedding day, I love you. Wow, so special. <laughs> Still a little sick. And there is the I love you, but, right? This was this, this is one I used a lot when I was doing middle school ministry back in the day. It's like you, you see a middle schooler and you're like, hey, I love you and I care about you, but what you were doing right now is very stupid. Um, and so it's something that we say a lot to people and maybe to dogs, uh, never to cats. And so we need to really know what we're saying when we say I love you and how we can really mean the most when we say it. So if you would pray with me and then we will jump into the verses for tonight. God, we thank you so much for for bringing us here, uh, bringing us here safely, bringing us here to gather together to learn about you, to worship you. And so God, I pray tonight that your word would speak to us, that your word, that your voice would would be louder than my own. And uh, and God, that this would not fall on deaf ears, God, but instead on open hearts. And so God, we pray that you would have your way tonight, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So we will be in 1 John tonight, 1 John. Uh, so you can go ahead and turn there to 1 John, and while you're doing so, I'll get you up to speed. Uh, you will find 1 John right before 2 and 3 John. Um, <laughs> Bible jokes. 1 John was written by John, the disciple of Jesus, and uh, he was actually part of Jesus' core four, uh, along with Peter, James, and Andrew. And so these four, four disciples were Jesus' inner circle, those who he spent the most time with. And in the Gospel of John, the, which was also written by the same John, he actually referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which I always thought was kind of interesting, right? Like, Jesus loves all of us, John, you know? Um, and I actually just finished reading through First John in my personal time with God, I can tell you that this book of the Bible, First John, 
is just a five chapter long line in the sand that, that, that John is drawing for us. And it's very cut and dry. He's saying you either love God or you don't. You either love people or you don't love God. You either walk in the light or you walk in the darkness. And so it is very cut and dry. And, uh, and interestingly enough, we're gonna be starting in verse 316 tonight. So you may have heard of John 316, but we're gonna read 1 John 316, and it has a very similar message. But up to that point in, uh, in 1 John 3, John is just reminding us that this whole love thing is nothing new. It's been the command since the very beginning. Love is a foundational teaching of the Christian faith. And so we're gonna go one verse at a time tonight. So let's read verse 16, 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, talking about Jesus, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And so John says here that we know love because Jesus laid down his life for us. And because of that, our reaction and our response should be laying down our lives for the people around us. And so we see right here that the ultimate example of sacrificial and selfless love is found in Jesus. Jesus had every right to to leave us in our sin and leave us in our shame and in our brokenness, but he made the decision to leave the perfection and the holiness of heaven to come down to this broken place that we call home. And he came here and he lived this perfect life, died a death that we deserved, and then resurrected again to, to save us from our sin and give us eternal life. And God knew from the the beginning of time that that mankind would be a bunch of sinners, but he chose to send Jesus anyway. He knew before you and I were even born how messed up we were gonna be, how sinful we were gonna be, and he chose to send his son anyway so that we could have a restored relationship with him. And we are one verse in tonight, and we could just leave on that. That's the good news for you tonight, that we are sinners unable to save ourselves, but Jesus came and did it for us Another verse says that because of the way that we've been loved, we should now love others in that same way. Because Jesus loved us sacrificially, we should love sacrificially. Because Jesus loved us selflessly, we should love selflessly. And so with loving like Jesus in mind right now, this uh, love that is unconditional, a love that is forgiving and full of grace and patient, with loving like Jesus in mind, What would change in your life? Is there a conversation that you would have? What would you go out of your way to do? With loving like Jesus in mind, what would change inside of your friends? What impact would you have on your family? We know love because we know what Jesus did for us, and now he calls us to do the same for others. Let's keep reading. This is verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Read that one more time. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And so John says here that if anyone has the means to help somebody in need and closes his heart against him, how can he have the love of God inside of him? And that's a very pressing question. And it makes me ask, first of all, well, what does it look like to, to close our heart against people? What does it look like to close our heart against people? The way that that's stated, it doesn't sound like John was too concerned about stepping on toes, right? 
Because the way closing your heart sounds, that sounds a lot different than saying, well, I'm sure you're busy or you're tired or you have more important things to do. Closing your heart sounds very cold and very harsh and very opposing. And so it seems that John is saying that whatever excuse that you wanna give for not loving people the way Jesus did, it's not good enough. It's not that you're too busy or too tired or too occupied. It's that your heart is closed. I don't know about you, but I don't want that ever said about me. You probably don't want that ever said about you, that your heart was closed towards people. This statement gets to the root of why we have so much trouble loving people the way Jesus did. We may think that it's because this or this or that, but at the end of the day, it's because our heart is closed. So have you ever found yourself feeling that way? You know, I believe as we get older and experience more life and, and Along with that usually comes pain or, or scars, certain experiences. And, and so as we get older, life kind of jades us a little bit. And so over time, it's hard to sympathize with certain situations. And I hate that it's this way, but don't you think that it's kind of become that way with, with tragedies in our country? And I'm not trying to get on a soapbox or make a political statement tonight, but I do believe that it's horrible that we've gotten to a point in today's world that shootings and terrorism, reports of sexual harassment, natural disasters, et cetera, they're just like an afterthought because we hear about them so often. It's almost, we're so used to hearing about them that the stories are, and, and the victims, it just doesn't resonate with us anymore. It's like they've become a, a headline that maybe catches our eye, but not something that breaks our heart. It's almost as if our hearts are closed. I know that's on a, a grand scale, but it can be the same way in your life, in your personal life. You hear or, or hear about or see the needs of people and, and you find yourself just not moved by it anymore. You feel like you've been closed in your heart. I know for me, you know, with working at a church, I hear about needs 24-7. We, you know, we have a, a prayer form on our church website. We have a phone that you can call and leave messages on, both of which send notifications to my phone. And we have 12 pastors that, that rotate being on call. And so I'm on call every 12 weeks. And I can tell you there is a big difference in just reading the notifications and knowing that there's somebody following up with them. There's a big difference between that and then actually being the one to do it. There's a difference in just reading and, and reading the notifications because, because it becomes very superficial. But when you're actually the one that has to make the phone call and actually has to talk to the person and pray with them and you get to hear their voice, hear their pain, hear their circumstances, it makes it all very real. And so when John says, how can the love of God be in us if we keep closing our hearts? And that's a challenge to all of us tonight. That if we say we love God, if that's what we claim, if we claim to know this all-loving God, we can't close our hearts to those around us. So this love of Jesus, this incredible love that we've received, if we say we have it in us, we need to show it and not just say it. And that's gonna lead us right into the next verse. So let's keep reading. Verse 18. Little children. First of all, John was really old when he wrote this, so picture some grandpa. Little children. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. A man that's lived a lot of life, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So John tells us here to conclude his thought. He says, we need to stop loving and just talk and start loving in action. He says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And I don't know how much more simple we could make it, right? 
When it comes to love, we do not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. We can't just say, I love you, and then never show it. Because talk just, it, it gets us nowhere. It does nothing. And I feel like this is, this is, this is, this is an issue of, uh, that has plagued Christians. This issue of talking and not acting. It's plagued the church. It's plagued Christians. I don't know. I was kind of awakened to this a couple years ago. I was, uh, I had a, a friend of mine that on a, on a, on a weekend, he had, he had a close friend die in a motorcycle accident. And we, you know, for years we've had a, a Genesis small group that meets at my house on Monday nights, uh, you know, most Monday nights throughout the year. And he was a pretty, for a while, he was a pretty consistent attender to the small group. And so his friend was killed in the accident on Saturday. He showed up to small group on Monday, two days after. And I remember him being pretty quiet uh, throughout the group. And, and usually the way we end group is you kind of go around the circle and you share your, you know, what's going on in your life. You have any prayer requests, things like that. It's kind of your chance if you hadn't got a chance prior to kind of just share what's going on in your life. And uh, it got to him. And I remember him just kind of, you know, breaking down, obviously. He was in a lot of pain and grieving. And he said, he asked the question, he said, I don't know why God would do this to such a good person. I don't know why God would do this to such a good person. And I remember thinking, you know, I've heard so many theological and so many philosophical and textbook answers to that question. But I could not imagine trying to offer that to him in the middle of his grief. And so we sat there and we listened and we prayed with him. And that moment kind of became the litmus test for me. It's like I, I love learning about God. I, learn, I love learning about the things of God and, and these deep truths. I, I love that kind of stuff. But if what I'm learning is not moving me to love God and love people better, then it's in vain. It's for nothing. And so that became this moment for me that it's like, okay, well, if what I'm taking in, if my time with God or what I, whatever I'm reading, if, you know, whether that be scripture or whether that be outside of scripture or whatever it may be, if it's not moving me to love people better, then why am I doing it? If it's not helping me obey the, the, the most basic command that God has given us, then what is it really worth? And so I asked myself, you know, what am I prioritizing in my life? Am I prioritizing my knowledge or am I prioritizing my love? Imagine this scenario with me. You might like to get on planes. You guys like to fly. Yeah, me too. All right. So picture this. So you're flying out of town, and as you're getting on the plane, the pilot is welcoming people on board, right? And when he says hi to you, you guys kind of strike up a conversation. And he proceeds to tell you, the pilot proceeds to tell you that he's a trained chef, that he's climbed Mount Everest, that he's friends with John Cena, and plays guitar like Eric Clapton. You'd probably think, wow, this is probably the coolest guy on the planet. I've never met somebody so cool. You get to your seat, plane takes off, and after a while, plane hits really bad turbulence, like really bad. Like the plane's shaking, the oxygen masks fall down, the seatbelt sign is on. 
What's going through your mind at that moment? In that moment, what's going through your mind, it's surely not the pilot's cooking. It's surely not his climbing skills. It's surely not his celebrity friendships or his guitar playing. Do you know what's on your mind? You don't care at all about that stuff, right? You want that pilot to do the most fundamental thing that he is being paid and trained to do, which is land the plane safely, correct? For Christians who are called to love this world, so often we find ourselves doing a similar thing. We wanna talk about the theology that we know, the, the cool guy who pastors our church, the worship album that they just released. But when the rubber hits the road, and when people that we love, people that we know are walking through suffering, walking through pain, they don't want the cool Instagram pastor, they don't want the theological jargon, they want the most fundamental thing that a Christ follower should be able to offer, and that's love. If we're just talking and not loving, we're full of it. And so let me ask you tonight to finish this off. Has the love of Jesus moved you to love others? And if it hasn't, what are you waiting on? Go ahead and stand with me. Tonight, if you feel like you've been walking through life with a closed heart, now is your chance to open it back up. The love that you've received, the love that Jesus has for you has not gone anywhere, but maybe it's time to start letting it not just flow into you, but flow through you. Or maybe you feel like you've been doing a lot of talking in your life and not a lot of loving. I find myself there all the time. If you find yourself where you've been doing a lot of talking and not a lot of loving, I would encourage you to make a decision tonight to draw a line in the sand like John does and walk out of here with a new mindset on what it's like to love people like we've been called to do. We've been loved and now we are called to love, not just in talk, but in action. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much that you didn't just talk about loving us, God, you showed us. God, you didn't just talk about laying your life down. You didn't talk about going to the cross. You didn't just talk about doing these things, God. You did it. You knew how messed up we were. God, you knew the sin that we would commit, God, past, present, future, and you chose to send your son anyway. And because he laid down his life for us, God, now we've been called to lay down our lives for others. And we don't wanna get, caught so, get so caught up in everything else that we forget how to love. So God, I pray tonight that we would have a, mind, a mindset shift, a perspective change, that we would draw a line in the sand. Say, if I say I'm gonna claim Jesus, if I say I'm gonna claim this God that is so loving, then I need to follow suit. I can't say that I love God and not love people. So God, I pray that we would make that decision tonight. That we would stop just talking and start acting. In Jesus' name. Amen.